Hello, and welcome to This Thing Called Life, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories about acts of giving, kindness, compassion, and humanity. Your host, Andy Johnson, will introduce you to powerful stories about organ, eye, and tissue donation from individuals, families, and healthcare teams whose experiences will inspire you and remind you that while life is hard, unpredictable, and imperfect, it's also beautiful. We are so happy you're here. Now, let's join the show. Hi, everybody. This is Andy Johnson, host of This Thing Called Life, and I hope you are doing well. It is National Donate Life Month, and I am really excited because we have some great information and stories to share throughout the month about the powerful gift that is organ, eye, and tissue donation. My guest today will share his story here shortly, uh, but I also wanted just to ask a couple of things of you before we get started. If not already, will you join us in being a part of this interconnected, life-sustaining community by registering to be an organ, eye, and tissue donor? And if you're already a proponent of donation, will you reach out and share your why with someone who isn't a registered donor and share something that you've learned or what your big aha has been or perhaps initiate a conversation about donation with someone? And finally, if you're a supporter or still seeking more information, please learn more about living donation. More than 90,000 people on the national wait list need a kidney, and people can give the gift of life as living kidney donors. I also want to share another powerful truth with you about donation. Your family cannot overturn your decision to be a donor. Your registration as a donor upon your death is first person consent, which means that. That is your indication of your choice to donate. This is a legally binding decision and can't be overturned by your family or legal next of kin. What's also important here, though, is you need to inform your family about your decision to be a donor so that they know what it is that you want. And that will absolutely provide comfort to them, knowing that they honored your choice, your decision. Visit Life Pass It On. Org for more information. All right. And with that, please welcome Mr. Tony Burdett to the show. Hi, Tony. How are you? Hi, Andy. I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being with us. Um, I'm just really excited that our listeners can learn more about you, uh, your connection to donation, and also about an exciting event that uh, we're teaming up with you and your organization that will celebrate life uh, through music. So we're really excited about that. Um, But first, could you just tell our listeners your connection to donation? Absolutely. Well, to give you the punchline first, my connection is that, you know, my life was saved with uh, a liver transplant in August of 2019. Um, But the story goes back uh, a little further than that. I would probably Um, start by telling you about my father. I inherited a genetic disorder from him, alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. My father had the same disorder, and he was diagnosed back in the early 1990s. He had symptoms of fatigue and uh, low platelet counts and and those things, and he was put on a uh, transplant list back then, 
for a new liver and he received his uh, liver in 1997. Now, before my dad had gotten sick, you know, I was just a junior in college when he received his liver had never given a whole lot of thought to organ donation, but uh, sometimes it takes a crisis like that <laughs> to, to yeah. bring awareness into your life about it. Now, my dad received a liver in 2000, I'm sorry, 1997, but his was a little traumatic. Um, his, his surgery, um, of course, it's a long surgery anyway, but after about 14 hours, the surgeons came out and told us that he probably wasn't going to make it. It was a very traumatic experience oh, for us because um, the liver wasn't working. Um, but thankfully, they got it to work enough that it bought him some time that he received a second transplant two days later. So we've had lots of transplants in our family. Um, yes. And, and that, that, that transplant did take, if you will, it worked. He had some few complications, but nothing major. And it, it added 25 years to his life, um, oh my goodness. which was a real blessing for our family. He, he unfortunately did pass away in 2020 after receiving a third liver transplant. And he did pass away from complications. But those 25 years that those that, you know, the, his first experience gave him, you know, I spoke at his funeral and I said he would have never seen his sons graduate from college. He would have never met his his three grandchildren. A lot of life happened in those 25 years that he was given that amazing gift. Yeah. So um, that, of course, that whole experience brought organ donation to the forefront of all of our minds in our family. And then, of course, for me personally, I, I knew that I had inherited this genetic disorder. For some people, it doesn't affect them. They can live their life totally fine without it. But something triggered my liver in early 2019, and very quickly, my liver started to fail. I The symptoms that I had is I had uh, had all this excess fluid in my body that, uh, which is common for people with or, uh, liver failure, but often it kind of congregates in the abdomen area called ascites. But mine, uh, this the fluid would go up beyond the liver and up around my lungs and I couldn't breathe. And oh. at first I thought I just had pneumonia or bronchitis, but there was, after tests, there was nothing inside my lungs. It was all this fluid around it. And so I had to have this procedure called a thoracentesis, um, which is a outpatient procedure that they perform on you while you're still awake. And they stick a big, long needle into your back, into the mm -hmm. pleural space around your lungs, and they drain off that fluid. Oh this became a common occurrence for me, unfortunately. Um, over a seven-month period, I had to have that procedure done 52 times. Wow. So and, um, yes. And it, it, sounds, I mean, it sounds incredibly painful. It, it, it was. It was very, they, they would numb my back. They numb your back when they do it, but they have to numb it with needles, of course. And the numbing is just marginally effective. <laughs> um, it was pretty painful. And by the end, before I had my transplant, I was having this done every other day. And they were taking off four to six liters of fluid every single time. So I was in a dire situation. And once my, my local GI here in Northern Kentucky uh, referred me to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center for evaluation with the transplant clinic, it was pretty obvious to them that this was pretty dire, that I couldn't keep having these procedures every other day. 
And so I was able, after my evaluation in early April of 2019, I was put on the list rather quickly around the beginning of May. And and I received my liver August the 3rd of 2019. So I just had a, th- a three-month, a short wait, pretty compared, comparatively, uh, a pretty short wait. So I'm certainly grateful for that. I know a lot of people have to wait sometimes years for their organs. So it, that's, you know, that's my story. Um, it was a, kind of a, a quick illness for me um, and kind of a painful one. Um, but thankfully, uh, my transplant, uh, the surgery was very successful. And uh, I was uh, discharged from the hospital just five days later. Wow. And thankfully, I haven't had any complications. And I feel better than I have felt in a very, very long time. And I'm extremely grateful. Oh, well, congratulations. Congratulations. That, that really is just a beautiful story. And that, and that you're doing well. And that the fact, too, that, you know, your father had 25 years as a result of, of his second transplant, I think, is just miraculous. And, and like you said, just got to live and, and experience so much life, you know, with, with, the, with your family. And I think that's amazing. So do you know, I know you said this is hereditary and it sounds like you have a sibling, but so far everything's okay with him and yeah i have a brother he he has obviously he has the um deficiency as well but so far he hasn't had any symptoms he is under the care of a of a gi and so there are close tabs on him but so far he hasn't had any of the symptoms that i had so fingers crossed that he doesn't have to go through that um and my both of my children actually have it as well and they are under the care of the liver transplant team at children's not hopefully they'll never need a transplant but just out of precaution they see um, the doctors there every year and have liver scans done just to kind of keep a, a check on them make sure everything's okay and so far they're they're doing great they're teenagers but but we just want to make sure that you know that they're aware and can keep a track keep track on it because i you know i probably had this my whole life but didn't even know until adulthood you know well it really presented yeah. symptoms that that warranted you going to to see a physician about. Correct, correct. So is this, you said it was an alpha one. It's called alpha one antitrypsin deficiency. And alpha one antitrypsin, I'm not a doctor, so (laughs) I'm a musician. So, you know, take the the credit. I'm going to give you credit there. Kudos. you. (laughs) What, just to pronounce it? Yeah, that and just as you were describing everything going on, you know, with you. I'm, yeah. I was very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I know this deficiency is alpha one antitrypsin is like an enzyme. I believe that it's really important for, for actually your lungs and it's created in the liver from my understanding. And the deficiency is that the enzyme gets trapped in the liver and it's a deficiency to the lungs. But when that enzyme gets trapped in the liver, it, uh, it can cause liver damage is my understanding. So uh, a lot of times people who have this deficiency have even more breathing problems than I had, but for me, it, the, it caused liver damage. So. Okay. And so post-transplant, are you, do you feel like you're able to live, work and play and do the things that, that you did prior to becoming ill? I do. I really do. 
you know, it's it's a kind of a slow recovery. Um, and and with my recovery, you know, COVID kind of hit six months after my transplant. So uh, being immune suppressed, it kind of it didn't make me feel bad, but it kind of slowed down what I was able to do out in the world, I guess. I didn't go back to work as soon as I probably could have because my doctors were, you know, afraid because we just, at that point, we didn't know much about COVID. So I delayed going back to work a little longer, being immune suppressed. But, but yes, to answer your question, I feel probably better than I felt in a very, very long time. I probably didn't realize that I actually did have some symptoms, you know, some fatigue and things even leading up that I really wasn't even had no concept that it was my liver. Um, so now that I have this new liver, I feel even better. Oh, that's great. That's great. So if you could say something to your donor's family, what would you say? Yeah, it's such a good question. I, um, I actually, about three weeks after my transplant, I actually received two letters in the mail. And, and I know it's a lot of times it doesn't happen that soon. So I don't, not sure totally the, the circumstances around it, but I received two letters from two, what I believe to be a probably elementary age girls who wrote me a letter and said that they just wanted to let me know that, that I had received their mommy's liver. And uh, I do know that my donor was a woman who was about my age, early 40s. And in the letters, they were so sweet. They just said, you know, our mommy um, always loved to help people. And we know that she's helping you. And uh, they said, my my mommy always wanted to see the Eiffel Tower and the Leaning Tower of Pisa. So maybe... (laughs) Someday a part of her will get to go to those places. And so it was a, a really, really touching thing. I mean, just heart-wrenching, really. And it's, I think that's the, the dichotomy of organ donation is that, you know, a life has to be lost in order to give life. But it's also a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing of sacrifice. And I, and I did after that, of course, write my, my donor family. I think it was probably those letters were a way for those children to be able to kind of grieve and deal with their loss. And of course, I, I wrote and thanked them and expressed my gratitude um, for their, their decision um, to offer the, their, their mother and wife's daughters, whoever, as organs. I, I haven't heard back from them, which is totally fine, but it was, it was great for me to be able to put into writing um, how I felt and how grateful I, I felt to them and often think and pray for those girls that, you know, every year that I celebrate um, my anniversary, it's a joyous occasion. I had two and a half years out. So we've kind of had two celebrations now, but I often think of that family who is mourning an anniversary of a loss, but, but at the same time, we're so grateful. So grateful. Oh my goodness. That just, that's very, very touching to, to receive a letter from, from your donor's children and just to see for you to hear and to read that through, through that lens. I just, I just, I think that's wonderful. This really, really wonderful. Yeah. I'll cherish those letters forever. Yeah. Um, Sure. And to receive them just so, you know, three weeks afterwards, I think. That's amazing. That's you just, you never know. You never know with, with donation and transplantation kind of how that all will work. Um, But I think it's so it's, it's probably healing in a lot of ways for, both the donor family as well as the recipients. Um, I know I've heard from 
other recipients that's, you know, sometimes there's guilt that is felt, um, survivor's guilt. It's, I've heard it been called, you know, as you said, that someone had had to pass away in order for that person to live. So I think that there's just some healing elements in receiving those communications and being able to communicate your gratitude. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So one of your passions, as I've gotten to know you a little bit here in the last few months, is is music. Is that would that be an accurate statement? Yes, I think that would. It's absolutely an accurate statement. Probably an understatement. Um, really, kind of dedicated my whole life to being a musician. I um I studied music at the University of Cincinnati's College Conservatory of Music (CCM). Wow. Um, one of the greatest conservatories in the world. It was such an honor to be accepted there. Um, and so I studied there, studied opera and classical singing. I met my wife there, who is also a classical singer. Wow. She's on the faculty at Northern Kentucky University as a voice professor. So music is a, it's a huge part of our, our life. And I have really spent my whole career serving as a professional musician, singing professionally with opera and with orchestras around the country, and also doing a lot of conducting with choirs and teaching singing. So yeah, music is is really a, a, a huge part of our life. And you can imagine how kind of devastated it was during, uh, devastating it was for me during that, that time of being ill uh, in 2019, not being able to make music and wondering if I'd ever be able to do it again. Yeah. Um, and because of this amazing gift of life i'm back doing it and of course now that COVID is you know somewhat over um and we're back to doing it as much as ever and it's it's a really true blessing but yes music is a huge part of our life oh wow and we're we're blessed that you're able to continue on and, and share your gift um so tell us about this this idea that you had to do this this concert Yes, well, I, I am the artistic director of an organization called Viva Voices Choral Organization. It's an organization that I founded. And what our organization does, it provides high quality community choirs for children, youth and adults. And we're located here in Northern Kentucky, but we draw singers, we have 145 singers in our program, we singers that come all the way from Dayton, Ohio, and, and Lawrenceburg, Indiana, all over the tri-state that sing in our choirs. And one of our, our missions, one of our core values really, is to be able to use the power of music to shed light on really important things. And so when we started this organization, we said that we want to have at least once a year, we want to have a concert where we use uh, thematic uses of music and to collaborate with, with great organizations to help partner with them to bring awareness about really important things. And so uh, this is a relatively new organization. So this is our first time ever collaborating like this. And for me, I just knew the very first time I wanted to do this, I wanted that the one of the cause for obvious reasons um, to be about organ donation. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so grateful that when I contacted you, you were so open uh, to it. So, you know, the whole idea is to, to create this, this concert, this free concert to open to the community that, that uses the power of music, all the music based on the theme of, of life, of, of the, the celebration of life, and, and use it uh, woven together with stories and, and, 
and interesting things uh, to kind of bring awareness and let make people aware of the the power of organ donation and how uh, it is so important for people to to make that decision. Yes. And using the power of music to do it, I think, is a really, really unique way because there's something about music that can connect with our souls in a way that I think just words can't. And so I'm hoping that through this concert, that, that this music will really speak and touch people's hearts. Another thing about it is I, I want it to be an encouragement for those who have who have gone through this journey People like me and my family, maybe there are people who are just starting this journey, maybe donor families. We were inviting all kinds of these people to join us. And I'm music can be a very healing thing as well. And so yeah. I'm hoping that this the music that we've chosen and can also be a, an encouragement and a sense of healing to people who, you know, this is not an easy thing for anybody, whether it's a donor family or uh, a, a recipient or somebody waiting. These, this is a difficult road. And uh, we're, we're just hoping that we can just for one night bring encouragement and smiles to people's faces as we at the same time can, can build awareness about this so important cause. Oh, wow. That's, you have a very beautiful way of saying things. And I just, I love that, that just. Well, thank you. Bringing encouragement to people. And I think, you know, I think as you say that, I think of the donor families who, you know, who, whose spirits could be lifted by being a part and, and, and listening to this concert. What is the date? The date is Saturday, April 30th. Last day of the month, last day of Donate Life Month. Yes. Um, Saturday, April 30th, the concert is taking place um, at Christ Church Cathedral, which is a huge, beautiful venue if you've never been there. It's in downtown Cincinnati, right on the corner of 4th Street and Sycamore. Um, and the concert begins at 7 p.m. And it's, of course, open to the public um, and it's free. Now, there is limited seating because the church only holds about 450 people. So even though it's free, we, we suggest that people make reservations ahead of time so that you're for sure to get a seat. We'd hate to turn people away. I don't know if you want me to, to mention that, but. Uh, yes, absolutely. Please. Yeah, you can you can make those reservations uh, going to our website which is viva voices v-i-v-a-v-o-i-c-e-s dot net um, and on our website you can just navigate to the performances tab and you'll see where you can register for those free tickets and um, and we're hoping that lots of people will, will do that yeah it seems like um, there's been a great response so far so i definitely would just encourage our listeners um, if you're in the cincinnati northern kentucky indiana area or you know close to within driving distance please come uh april 30th uh to christ church cathedral uh concert begins at 7 p.m and again it's viva v-i-v-a voices.net and you go to the performance tab uh, to reserve your ticket. I think it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful show and wonderful celebration of life um, and, and what donation is. And uh, what a, I think it's just a great way and very appropriate way to close out Donate Life Month. <laughs> well, I'm glad you do. I, I think it is. I think it's going to be really 
really, really special. And and we've chosen a of music. Um, one of the, the biggest part of the program, the regional premiere, and you know, and by the way, yeah, we're a choral organization and, and we kind of specialize in classical music, but you don't have to be a, an aficionado in classical music or anything. There's a wide variety of music. For example, there's a great, we're doing a greater bridge over troubled water. Um, also a great arrangement of the pop song. But I did just want to mention that the kind of the cornerstone of the program is this brand new, it's actually going to be a regional premiere, a brand new work for a chorus and orchestra called The Breath of Life. And it was written actually before before the pandemic, but the, the, the whole concept of this piece, and it's about 35 minutes, so it's, it's, it's the kind of cornerstone of the whole piece, is kind of a, a celebration of life. The, the first movement is about the joy of, 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 of the creation of life. The, the second movement is about, the, about the, the loss of life and how there's, there's a cycle of life and how we, we celebrate birth, but then we also experience death. The third movement is this wrestling with, with is, is, is life even worth celebrating? But, obvi- all, all, but, uh, but ultimately, it comes around to the conclusion that, that, yes, life is worth celebrating, that this is a gift for all of us. Um, and it's really, it's a powerful piece of music that I think will be very moving to people. I agree. I agree. So uh, we're definitely looking forward to to, to this um, inaugural concert, just to you know see it all come together. And it's the the event is called Life Amplified. Um, so just in case listeners are looking for that, it's called Life Amplified. And you can again visit vivavoices.net and go to the performance tab to reserve your ticket today. So as we close, is there anything else you would like to share as we've talked about your journey with transplant? Um, you know, I would just, just say that I'm not sure, you know, who's listening to this podcast today, but one of the things that we found through my experience is that, you know, I, we were very open about my whole experience, my journey on social media. I don't post I don't post a lot on social media. I don't, I don't put, post pictures of my meals every day like some people. But, but, we, but my wife and I, we made a conscious decision that, you know, when we were going through this, that we wanted to, to post periodically about it to, to be an encouragement for people. Our faith is super important to us. So we wanted to share the blessings. We wanted people praying for us because we really believe in the power of prayer. But I say all this to say that through being open with with what you're going through a lot of times it can can impact people and so we've we had so many people and we didn't do this for the attention necessarily but we had so many people throughout our journey just say how much they were moved by by what we went through i had s- several people say that they went and signed up to be an organ donor because of our testimony and all that that we've gone through so i guess i would encourage people that you know, don't be afraid to, no matter what you're going through, if you're in this journey, to be open and share, find people that you can can talk to, uh, but also know that your story can impact people and, and can impact people that you have no idea about. And, and you have a story to tell. So, you know, tell it. And, uh, and, and, and I think God can use that story to impact people's lives. And, you know, that that's part of the mission of this podcast is, you know, our hope is that someone listening will, you know, learn something if they if they 
don't quite understand or support donation, that they'll learn something or, or be touched by someone's story. And hopefully that will uh, motivate them to register to be a donor or to get more information. And so we just want to really create this, this space where we can all learn about this together. And I think we do that when we hear stories like yours um, and others that we've had on. But I think it's just a great way to, to educate people through, through the power of real life stories. And it's, you know, transplant is not this like perfect path. There are complications um, as with your father and, and other patients, but it also provided your father, for instance, another 25 years of life. And then, as you said, I love what you said about the, the beautiful thing of sacrifice. When you, you talk about the gift that, that donors give in helping people, you know, to heal and live and thrive through organ, eye and tissue donation. I just, it's, it, it really is, it really is a beautiful sacrifice. So I just, I love that. I love the way you said that. Well, yes. I, that's really all I have today. Um, I want to thank you so much again for listening um, and, and Tony, for you for being on and uh, working with me as we navigated these, these tech issues. <laughs> so, so thank you so much for that. For having me. It was a real pleasure. Yeah. So as we close, I want to remind everyone that 106,091 people are waiting for life-saving organ transplants. And 11,326 of those people need life-saving liver transplants like Tony, who received his gift of life. Your decision to be a donor, uh, you taking that step to register can mean life for a person who is dying. And these are women, men, children, there are neighbors, people who we live and work with in our communities and worship with. Um, and they're also complete strangers who just need our help. Please visit lifepassingon.org to get informed, to be empowered, and to learn the truths about donation. I want to thank everyone for listening. And again, just please be kind to yourself and to others. Take care. This episode is brought to you by LifeCenter. Are you interested in saving someone's life by becoming a living donor? You have the potential to help save and enhance the lives of others, those who suffer from chronic illness or the effects of traumatic events. Statistics have shown that a new name is added to the national waiting list every 10 minutes. You have the opportunity to help others and save lives. You have the power to donate life. By offering a kidney or a portion of the liver, living donors offer their loved one or friend an alternative to waiting on the National Transplant Waiting List for an organ from a deceased donor. Today, the number of living donors is more than 7,300 per year, and one in four of these donors is not biologically related to the recipient. Go to Life Pass It On for more information. Thanks to Life Center for their continued support. Thank you for listening to This Thing Called Life. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcast to make sure you get updates on all new episodes. And we would truly appreciate it if you would share, like, or give us a review to help us grow.